0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Please Stop, the show with Katie and Chaz. We are back. I know you missed us. So here we are.
1: Did they miss us? Katie and I do this little baby voice song. Well, I do it and Katie joins in every time before we record. And it's really hard for me to go from that straight into talking like a normal adult. It's really hard to speak
0: normally in all contexts, honestly. <laughs> I'm having trouble transitioning right now, but... We'll do it. We have some really exciting updates to talk about because Chaz started a new job today.
1: Please stop. Yay. I did. We've talked about how I always copy every big life event in Katie's life. So Katie worked in tech. So now I work in tech. And that's it.
0: That's it. Wait, I want to hear how it is. How's it going? It's going well.
1: It's a little overwhelming because I've never worked in tech. And you've heard me talk about how I would never work in sales again. Let me clarify. If I truly am passionate about the service I'm providing, an individual or a company, that's what I would be interested in that I take back like that I would absolutely work in. So what I'm doing is I'm working with providing companies with services that actually makes their lives so easy. It's super interesting. By the way, I'm not crying. This is castor oil leaking from my eyelashes. Anyway, they can't
0: see it. It's okay.
1: okay. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a sales background, but it's very different than what I used to do. I think I'll enjoy it so much more. With that said, it's unchartered territory, which can be intimidating. And for someone who doesn't handle not being the best or not excelling right away, it's hard for me to feel confident and satisfied with my first day's performance because I missed a meeting. Which really wasn't my fault. No one cared but me. I was so hard on myself over it because I wanted to make the best first impression. I just put these very hard to achieve standards on myself, as Katie knows. She gave me a pep talk last night that I would like her to share with you all because it really was helpful. Um, I tend to just be my own biggest critic, even when I'm doing a good job. If I'm not doing a perfect job, to me that's a bad job. But Katie always brings me back down to reality. So I would like. Her to share with you what she shared with me last night and her words, how she perceived why I was being stressed out and hard on myself last night. Yeah, uh,
0: I will definitely get into that in a second. But also, I just want to say to you, like, first of all, I'm so proud of you. Second of all, you're not alone. I felt the exact same way. And to be honest, I still do feel the exact same way in my new job. I'm new to the tech world too. It's not something I've ever done before. I'm constantly asking questions that I feel like are really dumb questions, but I just push myself to do it anyway because I am I think if I don't find out the answer to this question, that everyone is probably going to think, oh, that's so simple. That's so dumb. Why doesn't she know that? It's so easy. If I don't find out the answer... I'm gonna be really bad at my job for way longer. So the quickest path for me to get better is to just reach out and ask for help. And the good thing I think about tech is that no one is born with this knowledge, right? All, everything in tech is so new, everything moves so quickly that all of the people who currently are really good at the job you're doing or who work at your company learned it at some point in the last 10 years, probably. No one's been doing this forever. So that's the good news because everyone can relate to being a beginner. And in my experience, everyone has been so, so kind, just like so easy, so quick to offer help. It's like It's been amazing so far, but I do want to point out that you're not alone and it's totally normal to feel like a beginner again. And that's something we've talked about here is to normalize being a beginner at things, to normalize being really bad at shit when you first start, because of course you are because you've never done it before. And this is how we grow. This is how we learn. And this is how we make money at the end of the day. So we're going to do it and we're going to get better at it. And that's that's the whole journey, right? It's not about the destination. And also as a person who's used to being the top of their game, the best at what they do, I absolutely relate to perfectionism and feeling like, oh, my gosh, I'm so behind. Or, oh, my gosh, I messed that up. Why did I do that? I'm just staying in that headspace. And I guess that's like the transition into what we were talking about last night. Because we're going through these seasons right now of figuring out what we want our lives to look like for the next year, two years, five years, 10 years. We're figuring out who we are. And again, it's about the journey still. I don't think you ever fully become exactly who you are, right? Nothing in the, nothing is static in this life. We're always changing. We're always evolving and we're constantly growing, especially people like you and me who spend a lot of time thinking about how can I be a better version of myself? How can I be a better person? How can I optimize my life so that I'm getting everything out of it that I want to? We spend a lot of time trying to actively change for the better, And in doing a lot of that, you can get caught up in these rules that you make for yourself or in these really rigid expectations that you set for yourself, where with your sobriety journey, I'm so proud of you because I don't think you actually did this this time. But in the past, I've known you for a really long time. And what you tend to do is you tend to set yourself rules, right? You'll say... I'm only having two drinks when I go out or I'm only going to drink tequila because that I can control or I'm only going to drink X because of X, whatever it is, you set these really intense, strict rules for yourself. And when you inevitably either don't stick to your rule or you'll feel pressure to like get to that rule, you'll say, oh, I said I could have three drinks. So that means I have to have three drinks And then you're not paying attention to your body or your mind or your signals of, do I even want this last drink? Or did I just say I could have it? So I'm just going to have it. And I'm so proud of you because I don't think you did that this time around. This sobriety, sober, curious journey you've been on isn't because you have a problem with alcohol. It's not because of any reason other than you got quiet and took a step back from your life and you realized this doesn't serve me anymore. It's not making me feel my best. It's not making me the best version of myself that I want to become. And so that was the reason you stepped back from it. And I think because of that, it gave you so much freedom to play with it. So that then this weekend, when you felt like having a drink or two, you did, and you didn't shame spiral after you didn't, it didn't ruin your whole weekend. You just realized okay, I can do that when I want to. And I will do that when I want to. But also I'm glad that I choose not to most of the time because you were like, it doesn't feel good.
1: Right. I think in the past, I've always felt so much control off of rigid rules and would feel so proud of myself or would basically use me following rigid guidelines and limitations as a way to feel on track with life or like, okay, i proved something to myself, which this time around, like I would qu- use that to qualify or quantify my success or personal growth or whatever. But in reality, it wasn't really effective or it didn't even really make much sense. Cause like you said, I, I don't have a, an issue with alcohol. I think I just kind of have had an issue with control, <laughs> Over like wanting to never lose it or making sure I always have full control over my life or whatever. And that was just how I could do it. Same thing like when I was vegan. Exactly. I didn't really want to be vegan. I just liked limiting myself because it gave me something to be proud of or work towards because other areas of – I notice I do this when I don't have a job, especially like or if I'm in between jobs that because the veganism coincided with me being in between jobs and living in another country this time I was transitioning from an internship to a paying job and the stress from that maybe had played a role but like you said I did I did drink this weekend the circumstances warranted it um, I visited someone in a different state for the first time met them it was a very fun weekend he was the nicest gentleman ever the most chivalrous person so it went really well a little wine can't hurt it ended up hurting I was so violently hung over because my system could not handle it but it was still worth it it was still such a fun time and then Katie had pointed out to my attention she said you're turning into someone who doesn't really have sober spurts as much as you're turning into someone who is no longer a big drinker. And that really stood out to me because I was like, wow, you're right. Because the more I tell myself I can't have it, the more I'm like, well, I can't have it right now. But when I'm allowed to have it, let's go balls to the wall. And then now you're a yo-yo drinker or yo-yo dieter. A lot of people do that with food too. I drank. It was fun. Had a great weekend of crazy that i even did that at all yeah i just really don't love alcohol still guys so i'm not gonna continue my sobriety i'm gonna drink very casually i'm just gonna drink much more rarely like not as often and not nearly as much as normal but yeah that's it
0: yeah i feel like that that phrasing of i'm not a big drinker i think it allows for so much freedom because it doesn't say oh i'm sober or oh i'm not drinking right now because you do that, people think people either think you're pregnant or they think you have a problem. Right. And neither of those things are true. But just saying, I'm not a big drinker, you know, it gives you that freedom to say, okay, don't expect me to drink most of the time that we hang out because I probably won't. But if I do, it's because I can and I want to and I'm allowed to. Like it, it basically just gives you the freedom to choose whether or not you want to. Not that that's anyone else's business, but I find that it's helpful because especially in New York City, just life in general, I think most social situations people are drinking and if they notice you're not, they'll probably say something. So whether you wanna say something or not is totally up to you, but if that phrasing can help anyone out there who feels uncomfortable in those sorts of situations, then I hope that it's helpful. And the other piece of this is just you're – we all are, but you especially and especially you're opening up about these really strict rules that you've set for yourself in the past. You're so hard on yourself when you don't stick to those rules or if you decide that you want to change, it's this whole big hurdle for you to overcome mentally because in your mind, there's a hard line and there's so much gray area, there's so much freedom really because ultimately the consequences of your choices are only consequences if you decide they are especially for something like that where it's not it's not a real problem nothing bad happens it doesn't hurt anyone it's really just this is you figuring yourself out and so there's no need to be hard on yourself you're doing so much right now you're starting a new job you're in a whole new career path you're going to school You're working so hard and giving yourself a little bit of grace to have fun, let loose a little bit or to fuck up and miss a meeting because it's your first day and you're figuring all of your stuff out. Like if you know, there's no expectation that you know how your calendar is set up yet. And I think being hard on yourself doesn't do anything except waste your own time being unproductive because you're just your brain is busy being mad at yourself.
1: Yeah, it's funny because the person who's overseeing me, who's like my onboarding buddy, I immediately started our touch base at the end of the workday. And I was like, I'm so sorry I missed the meeting earlier. I can't believe I did that. And she said, oh, that's no problem at all. But what I noticed is your performance today with your onboarding checklist, I've never seen anyone accomplish as many uh, things on there as you have and complete them. And she said, I'm really impressed by that. And I made a joke. I said, well, I had an extra 30 minutes of me missing the meeting to be completing it. And we laughed, but I was like, well, wow. I went into this so defensive and humble and hard on myself. And in reality, she was almost impressed more by the fact that. She didn't care about me missing the meeting, but... I don't know. It's almost like we, that's another key to self-sabotaging. We jump to conclusions when we really don't need to. I actually did that this weekend. As soon as I met up with the guy that I'm the one in, yeah, I'm not naming names, but (laughs) as soon as I met him, I was like, hey, I just did a chemical peel on myself and my skin's falling off, but nice to meet you. And he said, you have beautiful skin. I, I think he was very attracted to me. At least he said he was and he acted as if he was. It all adds up. And I was like, why did I even need to point out a flaw? Like, that's such a, a juvenile thing to do and we owe ourselves more credit than that.
0: Totally. Self-deprecation is really overrated.
1: Yeah, it's not funny anymore. It, there was like a stint in like 2015 to 2018 where it was funny to call yourself a piece of shit and all that and it gets kind of old. It's, it's almost sad to do that and counterproductive.
0: I agree. I would rather hear someone celebrating themselves, even (laughs) I honestly think it's so funny when someone is just like, yeah, I'm the shit I do this, this that like, think about Nicki Minaj, right? It all goes back to Nicki Minaj, everything. At the end of the day, if we can teach you anything in the world, (laughs) it's to live like Nicki Minaj does. But I just think it's funny when someone is owning owning exactly who they are and celebrating themselves. I'm happy for them all of the time. You are, and I am as well,
1: one or two of the biggest Nicki Minaj advocates, rightfully so. And it's interesting because I was listening back to one of Katie and mine's older episodes last night. I am talking myself up so much. It was the episode of Please Stop Falling on the First Dates. Because the guy I was visiting, he was like, by the way, I listened to your pod. It was very good. And I wanted to re-listen to listen to what he listened to. In that episode, I'm speaking so highly of myself in a joking way. But then I add at the end, you know, I'm not really joking. And I did mean everything I said in that episode of men fall for me really quickly. Why wouldn't they? I'm a catch. I'm beautiful. I'm funny. I'm nice. And I have to remind myself of that because it is so true. Am I great at reading? No. Am I great at <laughs> No, I'm terrible at it. My biggest feedback with my most recent internship is that my emails have so many typos in them because my brain just works really fast. My muscle memory always wants to hit send. If you ever text me, you know what I'm talking about. I send the choppiest, most cued, screwed up text messages. But you know, I'm beautiful.
0: Illiterate, but pretty. Right. You know how my Instagram bio says funny and pretty? And uh, this is another example. My Insta- my actual Instagram bio says funny and pretty because I think it's funny. I just like I call it how I see it. I am both of those things and I think it's really funny. You should change yours to illiterate and pretty. It's <laughs> just stupid
1: and beautiful. <laughs> Katie always, or she used to call me like a golden retriever puppy. We would compare ourselves to me being like a puppy and her being a cat, just with our personality types. And I feel like I do embody golden retriever, like silky, flowy blonde hair, but also very smart, can learn tricks, but will run into a wall. They will. Handling airbud. I feel like that's, I have a lot of airbud energy. Like I could learn to play basketball.
0: Really good at basketball, extremely beautiful.
1: I'll run into traffic into walls. <laughs> I'll run into traffic and get run over by like an eighteen wheeler. I don't know how Airbud ended. Sorry if I gave you. You
0: actually will do. You scurry across the street with zero regard for your life.
1: I was actually discussing this with the man this weekend. We were talking about how we m- think we'll die or something, and I said, statistically speaking, I always joke that I will die by getting hit by a car. I think you probably will. Well, I cross so many streets statistically, that would just make the most sense.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because you get like phys- you get physical panic every time you have to do it. It stresses you out and I see it happen. and then you do your secretions and your film with your skin peeling off.
1: Yeah, I do panic when I cross streets. You can see it in my eyes and in how fast my steps are, and I'm short, so they're like close together. It is a scurry. <laughs> <laughs> but you. Know, okay. <laughs> speaking, speaking. of, I would like to touch on appropriate behavior when you first meet someone and go on a date.
0: Wait, do you okay? Do you want to do that first, or do you want to talk about basically a how to handle imposter syndrome and feeling overwhelmed, and like tips and tricks for how to handle that? Do you want to do that first, or do you want to do? First aid behavior first. Up
1: to up to you.
0: Let's – since we're on the subject of work still, Yeah. let's close it out and then we'll move into first aid behavior.
1: I love that. Does that sound good? Okay. I love it.
0: Okay. So on the subject of Chaz and I feeling overwhelmed and underqualified at our new tech jobs, <laughs> but <laughs> on that subject, I don't think it's unique to feel that way and I – have definitely felt that way in past jobs before. I wanted to tell the story that I've never told on the pod before about when I first started working at SoulCycle. Uh, it was 2015. I was it was my first big girl job after college, my first career job, and I was so excited to be working for a company that meant so much to me personally, that I really cared about, that had impacted my life in a huge way, and I was just so excited to be part of it, and I felt like I got slapped in the face my first week, my first few weeks, really, in training there because the studio that I was placed at for training The whole team had been there for a really long time. They did a lot of training there actually because the studio manager was one of the assistant manager, train, like one of the head trainers for assistant managers, which is what I was hired as. I don't know, I'm not sure just what the philosophy was behind how they decided to train people because it was very hands-off and almost clicky. I just felt really excluded and I didn't feel comfortable asking people questions about things. So I did my best, you know, every day, went in with a smile on my face, cried a lot after most days. And I'm happy to report that in my new job, I haven't cried once about training. So progress, people, it's possible. After after I finished my seven weeks of training, so I worked really, really hard, seven weeks of training, learned everything I needed to learn, even though, you know, very few people were offering help. I had to go seek it out most of the time. After those seven weeks, my boss, my training manager takes me out to a coffee and I was so excited because I was like, oh my gosh, I finally made it, you know, into her good graces. She finally is paying attention to me. This must mean, you know, I got somewhere because she would always go on coffee walks with the rest of the team. She would take the key holders out for coffee. She would take her friends out for coffee. She would go with the other managers, but she would never go with me. And so I was, I thought, oh my gosh, okay, I finally earned her respect. She likes me enough to ask me to get coffee with her. So I was so excited. We go on this walk, we get to the coffee shop, we sit down, and she looks at me and she says, Well, I wanted to give you some feedback. I just don't know if Soul Cycle is going to be the best fit for you. And it broke my heart like, broke my heart. I was devastated because I had worked so hard. And I cared so much about SoulCycle and I was just so proud to be working there. And I was I was so happy because I thought she was proud of me. And she just came out of left field and it was the first time I had actually heard from her that she wasn't happy with where I was in my training. I think that it's one of the things that made me determined to be really successful there. And eventually I was, you know, she no longer is at SoulCycle. Actually, she is dead. She was really beloved at Soul Cycle. Like, this was a huge deal. It was so sad. And it is really sad the way that she died. Like, it's pretty messed up and like it was horrifying when it happened. I didn't have the same relationship with her that everyone else did. And so, yes, she did pass away. It was really, really sad. This happened several months after I left that studio and got placed. But just speaking about my experience, not about her as a person at all, just of my experience being trained there. It was that moment was one of the things that made me so determined to be successful and so determined to prove that I belonged there and earn my place. And I did. I, you know, was one of the most successful studio managers that SoulCycle had before I left. And it's something I'm really proud of. But it came out of this need to prove myself and feeling so behind and so out of place and like no one wanted to help me or like no one would help me. And I only say that as a way to illustrate to other people that it's absolutely possible even if you feel like you're underqualified for something or even if someone tells you that you're not a good fit for something, don't let someone else make that decision for you and don't don't reflect back on that as this is a true statement about who I am. Because only you know who you are and only you know your work ethic, your drive, um, your just ambition to succeed. And all of those things, I think are far more compelling than just knowledge about something because anyone can learn, anyone except Chaz because she can't read, (laughs) but most people can learn.
1: (laughs) Most people. I learned how to do an email signature. That's it. In all of my years of working since age 15, I now know how to set an email signature, but there's nothing else on my resume. There's nothing, there's no other skills I bring to the table. You're doing great. Doing wonderful. You're doing
0: amazing. <laughs> and if all else fails, just get you a best friend who's going to hype you up for the little
1: things. Katie's enabling me. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's true. <laughs> I would tell you you did a good job even if you did nothing all day.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're right though. It imposter syndrome can really get the best of us and really cause us to not reach our full potential, but we have to remember even the people at the very top are still figuring it out. You always hear people say, "I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm the CEO, I still don't know what I'm doing." And you know, they're not kidding. I genuinely believe them. And fake it till you make it can sometimes end up leading to you almost leading to a self-fulfilling prophecy where you really believe you're capable, you will become capable. It just sometimes takes time and commitment, but don't be discouraged. Don't let someone giving you negative feedback deter you and let them win. Just use that as ammo to fuel your fire even that much harder to prove them wrong.
0: Yeah. As far as tips and tricks go for imposter syndrome... Remember who you are. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And remember, you've learned hard things before. Everything you know in your life, you had to learn at some point. And so you will be great at this eventually, but it does take time. And in the meantime, don't ever be scared to reach out and ask for help. Don't ever be scared to give feedback right back to the person who's giving you feedback. If they've done a poor job training you or not giving you the resources you need, don't ever be afraid to ask for those things because – People will respect you at the end of the day if you stand up for yourself. Well,
1: and to piggyback on that, the more questions you ask and the more you inquire, which means to ask questions. Wow. (laughs) I just thought that sounded good. Expanding my vocab. Uh, The more, if you don't succeed, that will just show that's a reflection of your training manager because it's just like having a professor who has the majority of their students failing their course. I always think. That's a reflection of a, an incompetent professor. Same thing with a job. Absolutely. If you're not excelling, but you're trying, that really doesn't fall on you. That should fall on the person who's in charge of giving you the baits to start, the knowledge to start, to build from.
0: All right. Moving right along. <laughs> We're going to talk about first hookups. What to do, what not to do.
1: Take it away. A while back, I went on a phenomenal date. I was super attracted to this guy. I thought he really looked like G-Eazy, and we know I love G-Eazy. And I thought to myself, you know, I barely hook up with anyone ever, but this time I'm going to. The chemistry's there, the sexual attraction's there. This is big for me too. This is only like the third person I've hooked up with since I broke up with my ex last December. We go back to his place. He's ordering us food. We're chilling. We're playing music as usual. We start making out and then we finally start hooking up. And I'm so excited because I was in such a dry spell. In the midst of it, it's going well. And then out of nowhere, without any warning, he says, and disclaimer, I'm not kink shaming at all. Everyone is entitled to their own fetishes or kinks or whatever they're into. This isn't even either of those. This is just like a some a preference. As long as it's legal and not hurting anyone, do your thing. Who am I to judge? Personally though, I was not into this. So he goes, <laughs> twist my nipples. And I said, okay, sure. I'm just I'm just happy to be here right now and to finally be progressing sexually. It's I'm long overdue. I'll twist your nipples. <laughs> You know, things are still going. And then he just keeps saying harder. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, you know what? Sure, I can do that. That's not the biggest ask. Sure. So I'm twisting them harder. And then he just keeps additionally saying harder. And at that point, I'm thinking to myself, I'm hurting him. This can't be healthy. This is going to give him brush burn. There's no lube i don't think people lube their nipples anyway but it's also just so distracting because the hand motion i'm doing is like churning something it was really distracting well what position was were you in at the time hanging kind of off the bed he's standing up my legs over his shoulders and my hands are like reaching through my legs (laughs) I felt like I was operating machinery of some sort. And the requests to make it, the twisting harder, just, it was continuous to the point where I said, I'm so sorry. I can't do this. I'm so distracted. And I don't know, like my, one of my thumbs has early onset arthritis in it. I can't keep going any harder. And so we stopped and he was very sad And I felt really bad because I didn't want to embarrass him. I didn't want to humiliate him. Nothing he wanted was wrong. Like he's totally fine with his behavior other than if you're going to ask someone to do something that's a little out of their comfort zone sexually, or that could potentially be, this is my advice. Have a conversation before. I understand Mm -hmm. getting lost in the moment getting lost in the passion and going for it, but if you have something that's specific to you that you like, read the room. If you don't get a chance to have a, a super in-depth conversation before, pay attention to your partner's micro expressions, their facial expressions, their body language. Are they still enjoying what's happening if you've switched things up? It could be anything. It could be something as simple as just switching for, to missionary. Maybe your partner doesn't want to look you in the eyes because that's not their thing or it's too intimate or it could be anything. Just pay attention to the feedback and your partner's still into it. I don't think it should have gotten to the point where I had to completely stop it because genuinely, I didn't want to stop it. I was very sexually deprived because I am so picky and (laughs) I would have loved to continue going, but it got to the point where it was so awkward and uncomfortable for me and my hands were hurting. (laughs) I just couldn't. On the opposite hand, this weekend, the person I was with, was the most chivalrous chivalrous gentleman ever. Very communicative, so respectful. And it, you know, it just, the whole time I was just reminded because I spent the weekend with this person, which was very intimidating for me. And it was a very, it put me in a very vulnerable position. And he could have easily taken advantage of that or made advances that he didn't know if I was 100% comfortable with them since I'm staying at his place for two nights in a row. He had a lot of power and control over the situation and he never once made me feel uncomfortable or uneasy or pressured. Just putting that out there to all of you who are dating or sexually active with people you don't know that well. There's a common courtesy that you should live by and just communicate or pay attention to body language. Make sure everyone's enjoying their time together and don't make super bold requests unless when you're first meeting someone.
0: So important. If you are a freak in bed, happy for you. Proud of you. No king shaming here. None. However, if you haven't had a conversation with your partner about it prior to hooking up for the first time, maybe don't lay all of that on them by surprise because that person might not be expecting it. <laughs> maybe you don't, maybe wait. don't love it, but they might not. And if you do want to keep hooking up with them, maybe you just survive for a little longer without having your nipples twisted off of your body. <laughs> At least get her off first before you start incorporating that. Because wow. maybe maybe she's so excited to be there. Maybe she's really just happy to be there. <laughs> and she deserves a good time. So give her one. And then you can get weird with it. Because then if it stops, she won't be that sad. Ever dates
1: me currently or in the future.
0: I am accustomed to being taken care of and sexually satisfied. On guys I've dated or hooked up with that maybe came out of left field and it shocked me. I would put in this category – if you're going to eat someone's ass, don't do it the first time you hook up. It is just – if I'm not ready for it, it's uncomfortable. Most of the time, it's still uncomfortable either way. It's not my favorite thing, but if it makes if it makes my partner happy and I'm comfortable with them, whatever. Happy to make him happy. That's fine. And if I know it's something that he likes, then it's fine. But first time around – Don't just pull that out of nowhere, (laughs) because you could really shock someone, (laughs) and then it's really uncomfortable. And then you don't know if that person knows what they're doing. What if they do it in the wrong order, and then you're just stressed about getting BV the rest of the time? It's it's stressful. It's a whole stressful thing. And then I'm trying to remember. I hadn't. Chaz knows this. One of my exes. Was really in defeat, and I'm trying to remember when he told me that. I want to say it was. It might have been our first or second. You date. know,
1: this reminds me of our episode. Please stop, Frenchmen! When the man took the opportunity to smear Nutella on my ass when I was bent over to charge my phone and fully clothed, <laughs> and then proceeded to eat the Nutella. It's not okay. In no world is that acceptable behavior. As far as the foot fetish, that's
0: whatever. I,
1: I'd i love to date a man with a foot fetish. I feel like that's effortless. Every it's single day. Life, it
0: required nothing of me other than being fine with it. And it made him so happy. It was fine.
1: To me – my, I'm reserved if I'm going to want to actually date someone, like be exclusive with them. The main fetishes or kinks that I think I would have reservations about would be involving any third parties. I've never been with anyone who's requested that. We've already talked about how I've never had a threesome. That was on my bucket list. Still hasn't happened. I was just watching 90 Day Fiance, their The Other Way reunion, and there's this married couple on it. And after they got married, he told her he has this undying need for a threesome and that she should honor that because she's his wife. And he never mentioned this to her before marrying her. And to me, that's so manipulative. And that's almost borderline financially abusive because this woman is financially dependent on him. And now she's faced with losing this security, stability, her visa, unless she agrees to have a third party involved. It's just fucked up. So if you have any bolder fetishes, I think the appropriate time to communicate them is long before you hook up or long before you commit to them. It depends on what the fetish is, obviously. Like foot fetish, whatever. Throw that in whenever. But threesome, maybe before you propose or sign your marriage documents. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Maybe just do the threesome before you get married. So then it's out of your system and you don't – like, why would you do that in a marriage? I guess never say never. Some married couples are into it. Cool, happy for them. To me, I feel like that's like the opposite of the point of marriage, but what do I know? I mean, I'm
1: still in the mindset of open relationships being the most practical for many people. I don't know if I ever really could seriously date someone under those conditions, but whatever I'm doing now is working because I'm still so carefree about everything. But if I were to be serious with someone again, I doubt I would feel that way. But from a realistic standpoint, it does make a lot of sense to me. But that's a whole other topic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not who I am. For sure. I have no interest in an open relationship.
1: I never did until this last year, but it's just a thought in my head. I'm not interested in any type of relationship still. <laughs> I thought I would be. We're now in winter and I still it's still not happening for me. Um, genuinely because I keep rejecting all opportunities for it. So maybe I don't want one yet after all. It's also not that cold. The snow has yet to fall. Maybe once snow falls, I'll start seriously considering a relationship. But
0: There you go. That seems like a good timeline. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any fun topics you want to talk about before we run out of time here? Yes. So
1: recently, my friend gave me a promo code to share with you all for his company, Olipop. It is one of my favorite drinks.
0: Guys, we actually genuinely really do love all of the products that we're promoting on this podcast, by the way, just because we have a promo code to share with you guys does not mean we are getting any sort of kickback or like we are not being paid to share these promo codes with you. This is just genuinely stuff that we love that we want to be able to share. And so we've started reaching out to brands and it's really exciting for us to actually get responses from them because they see our listener audience and they see how many of you actually listen to our pod. And that's so exciting that brands actually do want to give us a special code to give a discount to you guys. So if you ever hear something here, it's not because we're necessarily trying to sell you something so that we get paid. It's really just to share things that we love. And we both actually really do like Olipop. I spend my own money on it all the time. It is one of my favorite sodas.
1: Yeah. In fact, Katie and I have the. we share a favorite flavor, the strawberry vanilla. If you've (laughs) ever had this little strawberry shortcake doll from the 90s, you'll know what I'm talking about. But it's the best combo of strawberry and vanilla. And this can of Olipop tastes as if that were a beverage. But also I will tell you, as someone who hates consuming sugar, even though I just had three cupcakes in a two day span, Olipop has only two to five grams of sugar that's from natural sources. So it's lower in sugar than so many other sodas. They have a a flavor called vintage cola, that tastes just like Coca Cola, but Coke has 39 grams of sugar. Olipop only has two for their Coke flavor. And that's another one of my favorites. They're also keto friendly, just throwing that out there. And so, they're vegan. And they are vegan. The code is please stop 15. It's P L S S T O P 15. So if you go to their website,
0: you can redeem that. Also, you'll get 20% off. Plus, free shipping on your order. So, the code is please stop 15, but they get 20% off.
1: I don't know. That's just try it and see. It's like a fun surprise. You don't know what you'll get
0: off, but you'll get something. It's a mystery bag.
1: (laughs) We have mystery bags. Uh, This is also not sponsored, but I don't know if you've all heard of the app Too Good To Go.
0: Oh my God. I don't know why. I thought you were going to talk about the Chanel advent calendar. I was like, no shit, it's not sponsored, Chad. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Chanel.
1: No, that, that calendar has caused the world to turn upside down, the advent calendar for Chanel. Um, No, Too Good To Go is this app that I saw from this girl on TikTok. It's only in certain cities. But basically you pay four or five dollars and it helps prevent food waste because you choose a restaurant in your area and you go pick it up before they close and they just give you a little mystery box or bag of little treats. Katie's pretty picky, but that's great because she loves a variety of desserts. Like it's fun to have someone choose for you. I'm someone who can never make a dessert decision. So I went to a bakery called Big Booty in Chelsea where I live and they gave me For $4, they gave me three specialty cupcakes when one of their cookies is normally almost $4. So I'm so proud of this. I sent a mass text to everyone showing them my little cupcakes. So too good to go and Olipop. Those are my two favorite things lately.
0: I actually did get really excited about this app last night and I downloaded it and I was looking at the options in Austin because it's in Austin too. So it's not just a New York City thing. And actually, a ton of restaurants around me are on it. So actually, you just reminded me I might go pick something up tonight because, yeah, the example you gave to me yesterday was really good too because my initial thought was, eh, I'm really picky. I don't usually like everything on a restaurant's menu, so I don't know if I'm okay with a mystery for pizza or for just treats, like any sort of dessert. I don't discriminate when it comes to sugar and sweets. I love them all. So that would be really good. And there's actually a bunch of bakeries or little cafes and then there's pizza on it too, which I feel like you can't really go wrong with pizza. But it's super smart. You're reducing food waste because this is all stuff that would just be thrown out if it doesn't get sold at the end of the day. And you're getting like a really solid amount of food for cheap. There's an Instagram actually. It's called Too Good To Go ATX that documents the daily specials every couple of days. This person will get something and tell you what they got from the place. And actually, all of them have looked pretty good so far. So if it's available in your area, download it, check it out. Maybe see if there's an Instagram that's showing you what they have on it because this seems like a really cool thing. And I hope that they're really successful. I think it's so smart. Yeah, I'm actually noticing for
1: New York, the Instagram is too good to go underscore NYC. And then they just have, I guess, like a mother Instagram. That's too good to go dot USA. So if you have it in your city, have fun with it. I told Katie, it can be our new little Sunday tradition where we both order dessert from it and we can show each other our dessert. Am I becoming like elderly? Like I, I have this really repressed, extreme couponer side in me. And when I get a deal, I just go balls to the wall. I get so excited. And I think I'm looking forward more to my mystery treats than I am to anything else.
0: Yeah. Then if you order what you know, what you like. Wait, speaking of food delivery, I saw this. I think it was in a tweet. I saw this and I thought it was so funny and now you and I are going to do it. So you know how Spotify this week released Spotify Wrapped? Absolutely. We all know Spotify Wrapped. We all love Spotify Wrapped. What if there was a Seamless Wrapped or a Grubhub Wrapped or if you're in Austin, a Favor Wrapped? What would it say about you and what would be on it for you?
1: You know, can I say what mine would be, but can I also guess what yours would be to see how well I know you? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go with – okay, so quickly mine – actually, I'm going to save mine. I'm going to have Katie guess mine. Let's see how well she knows me. (laughs) Yours would be queso for sure. A hundred percent. It would be vegetarian sushi only on – Sundays. Girl, you know me. And yours would be random cookies that I sent you as a surprise because I, Katie was sad maybe just once I did this. But But it
0: was really cute. Get you a best friend who sends you treats when you're sad because it is the sweetest thing. It made my heart feel so warm and I felt so loved. Um, She knows that my love language is treats and sweets. Treats and sweets. You're 100% right about me. Always – vegetarian sushi on a Sunday. If you're ordering sushi on a Sunday, do not get fish sushi. Fish markets are not open on Sundays and that fish has just been sitting around and now you're eating it raw. It's gross. Get veggie sushi. Also, queso is a lifestyle in Austin and it. I order it at least once a week most weeks since I moved here three years ago. I can say that with confidence. Um, that's absolutely what mine would be. Okay. This is what I think yours would be. <laughs> it would be Mexican. What kind? Taco Bell, usually.
1: Now that I don't drink as heavily as I used to, I'm not blackout at 3 a.m. ordering seven chalupas. So (laughs) kind of correct, but what would it be? Oh,
0: you get the crispy tacos. You always get the crispy tacos. (laughs) Yours would be 100% crispy tacos. What other treats? Oh, yours would also be really fancy sushi that you make men you're dating send to you.
1: (laughs) Okay, one time – after I got vaccinated, this man I was dating, well, this was actually a sweeter thing he did, even though to me this was just another way to throw around his money and power. He, I was like, oh, I don't feel that well from the vaccine. He, and he ordered me a $200 sushi meal, which I'm not going to lie. That was very nice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on.
0: Okay, so crispy tacos, fancy sushi for men you're dating, and... I'm going to go with cannolis as the last one. I don't know if they're still a thing, but I know they used to be.
1: Wow. They are absolutely still a thing. I have this weird affinity to cannolis. I don't know what it is. I used to buy the cannoli party platter at Whole Foods. You hit the nail on the head. I just remember you used to always get them delivered
0: when we lived in Williamsburg.
1: Because the way I see it, and I still do this in Chelsea too, I have never stopped. I like to get things delivered that I am not capable of making at home or getting good quality versions of at the grocery store. So hard shell tacos, which I actually do make those a lot. I don't know. It just hits different when it's tequila Cheetos in Chelsea. It's my favorite place. It's like a hole in the wall. And cannolis, who's ever made a homemade cannoli? No one, unless you're like uber Italian.
0: Yeah. Unless your grandma is... Big Nona, you've never made a cannoli, <laughs>
1: right? And sushi, I'm too. I don't trust myself to make my own sushi. That's just E. coli waiting to happen. What's your please stop this week?
0: E. coli. Please stop E. coli. No. Okay. I have a pop culture please stop, and it's not going to be the title of the episode. I know we've done a lot of pop culture titles lately, but y'all know who Charlie Puth is. Do you know who Charlie Puth is?
1: Yeah, you know, I confuse him. You know, I kind of I I need you to tell me.
0: The kid is unsavory. I will put it that way. I actually have met him in real life. He is really close friends with a girl that I used to be really really close with when I lived in New York City with her brother cuz they both went to Berkeley School of Music together. And they're both really he's a super talented musician, no shade to him there. But this is the horniest little shit i have ever met in my entire life horny he's so horny and it is bizarre he's the guy who did he did that song that was like the too fast too furious song after the guy died what was that You know the song i'm talking about i don't know i have to look it up <laughs> you can sing it you
1: have yet to sing on the pod i've sang like twice
0: and i'll sing it for you hang on let me look it up i gotta figure out how it goes
1: I'm just imagining Ludacris for some reason. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Isn't Ludacris also in The Fast and the Furious? Too yeah. Sad, that I don't actually know this movie because. Oh, See You Again. You'd have to sing it. I don't know. It's the one with Wiz Khalifa. The one that's like, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know that one. He also did that song with fucking Megan Trainer. Yeah, just unsavory all around. And he's got a beautiful voice. He's super, super talented, but he is so bizarre and upsetting on the internet. This kid has been tweeting the horniest shit for years, and he's kind of under the radar in terms of celebrities. So people just let him get away with it. No one really ever addresses it or calls it out in any way. But he will tweet that I'm going to read you some of his tweets this week. Just out of nowhere, he tweeted a photo of himself in these gray briefs with his hard penis just, like, uh, out for the world to see. Like, you can see the whole... It's like when Jason Derulo wore the gray shorts. Get over yourself, dude. Like, you're already talented enough. Nobody wants to fuck you still, even though you're super talented and, like, you know, probably D-list famous. Sorry. But just what is this? And this is not your claim to fame. Just stick to being really, really gifted and talented and like the fame will come from that. Just stop trying to be a horny little piece of shit. It's bothering me. So please stop Charlie Pooh. I will now read a selection of his tweets. Okay. Okay. This is from one day ago at 2 a.m. Love it when the air is crisp at night. December may be my favorite month haha jerk me off and this kid's like 30 this is
1: reminding me of jason what is his name jason aldean jason sudeikis i don't know
0: jason derulo no look the child he actually is 30 he just posted himself for his 30th birthday i'm gonna show you this fucking photo it's so blurry oh i see it I'm going to send it to you right now.
1: Well, you know, I would love for men to sexualize themselves to the extent women do online just to even the playing field, but that's a bit crass. That's, like, kind of vulgar to have the outline of your erect penis. Like, I'm also not mad at it. I kind of enjoy that.
0: But <laughs> I think
1: it's a bit much for the public
0: to see. Like, maybe. It's, just, it's so horny and sad. He also, okay, this is November 21st of this year. He tweeted. Star star pulls hair. Are you trying to be sexy? And then he posted this and he goes, oof. Oh my God. And then he tweeted about Virgil Abloh passing away, which actually is really sad on November 28th. And then posted his dick pic the next day. So (sighs) it's it's unsettling. It's unsavory. I don't love it. I wish he would stop.
1: Who is the Jason I'm thinking of? You know, the child who was from Vine, who was like this over- sexual child always being flirtatious and biting his lip oh this is gonna bother me you know what if you know who i'm talking about dm us
0: follow up please oh we didn't do our advice segment you know what we'll have to save it for next time because yeah this is a long one you started a new job you got a lot of editing to do do you have a please stop that you want to do this week well i think we already covered it just being hard on ourselves that's it Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Share the episode with a friend if you liked it. Let us know. I don't know. Let us know something. Just let us know either way. Bye. (laughs) Someone tell us. Bye. Please stop.